0: Welcome to Standing Firm, a Come Follow Me podcast. Here are your hosts, Jordan and Louie Onga. Hello, welcome to Standing Firm, where we talk Come Follow Me scriptures with you each and every week. I'm Lou, my co-host as always is my brother, Jordan. How was your week?
1: It's pretty good, man. What's the old saying? Can't complain, even if I did. no one wants to listen. <laughs> no one would listen anyway. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's either no one would listen anyway or it, it wouldn't do any good anyway <laughs> that is me a hundred percent awesome. This is exciting this week. we have some scriptures to talk about, and there's a lot to talk about oh, uh, yeah. first Nephi one through five there's man, you could do three shows on this one, seriously, so we'll go ahead and dive right into the to the material. The Book of Mormon, when I think of First Nephi, the beginning of the Book of Mormon, really this is a story of deliverance, right? The story of Lehi and his family fleeing Jerusalem on its surface, it might not be as flashy and dramatic as, say, the Lord protecting Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace of Nebuchadnezzar. But when you consider what they were fleeing and what was on the line if Lehi didn't listen, It becomes as riveting a story as there is in all of Scripture. And going back to the original point about this being yet another story of the Lord's deliverance, the last word of this chapter is, in fact, deliverance. That's interesting. I
1: didn't catch that before. Something else that caught my mind, and I think it's important that this is your first time going through the Book of Mormon or your 1,000th time going through the Book of Mormon Important to keep in mind that Nephi is writing these nearly, say like 30 to 40 years later.
0: Yeah. Many decades later.
1: Yeah. yeah, That's going to put him in his forties and fifties. He's writing and he's, he's recalling all of these events that have have happened to him. In fact, he was able to write in such great detail, which always blows my mind. He's some of the most profound, impactful moments of his life. And uh, he was able to perfectly capture these and mixes in perfectly with what we talked about last week of how the Book of Mormon was written
0: through prophecy and revelation. And he was able to do that because of that. Yeah, definitely. There's good counsel in there for all of us who strive or try to keep records. and it's First of all, it's that you can write things down many years after they happened. Just because you miss writing about something the week that it happened or the month that it happened or the year that it happened doesn't mean that you shouldn't write it. And second, when you're striving to record some things that happened years ago and your memory is failing you a little bit, be like Nephi. And in the spirit of prophecy and revelation in your personal life, you can ask the Lord to help you remember the things in detail that you may have forgotten. Something that I feel like he recorded
1: perfectly was the account of his family offering sacrifices and burnt offerings as part of their worship in accordance to the law of Moses, which they lived. So the fact that Nephi was able to record that, it, it also connects them to the Old Testament yeah. and shows how they strive to live the covenants that their ancestors had made. I mean, this is something that they continue through the Book of Mormon until Christ shows up and he teaches them the higher law, the same law that he taught in the New Testament.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. And talking about, worship and how um, things were administered in the church, it would have been the high priest of the Levitical priesthood or the priesthood of Aaron that administered ecclesiastical authority, or in other words, they were in charge of the church. Prophets, and Lehi had a lot of con- contemporary prophets from the Old Testament that we can list, uh, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Habakkuk, Nahum, Uriah, Zephaniah, etc. cetera. Lehi, not being from the tribe of Levi, would not have held the Levitical priesthood. He would have held the Melchizedek priesthood. And I think that's an important fact to note here, is that Lehi held that priesthood. And the Lord knew that was a necessity for Lehi, and later for Nephi, to preside over this scattered faction of the house of Israel in what's called the patriarchal order of the priesthood. The patriarchal order of the priesthood is the family order of the priesthood. It's a man and his wife exercising priesthood power and authority to administer over a family. And that is something that's not necessarily pointed out in the pages of these chapters, but as you search through these scriptures, you can glean that information and you can note that was indeed what happened. Totally. So Lehi has this experience where he prays and he receives a vision and he it says that he's overcome with the Spirit and he retires to his bed and he has even more visions um, where he learns his commission from the Lord as far as what he needs to preach to the people in the city of Jerusalem. And I, um, not trying to compare this story that I'm about to tell to anything that Lehi went through or, or anybody <laughs> else, but this is a concept called spiritual exhaustion that is an actual real thing. And I have a personal experience It oh, totally with is. So uh, a few years ago, this is actually almost three years ago to the date, in fact, I, in our church, I received a call to serve as a counselor to the bishop. And what that is, if you're not familiar with the church, it's an assistant to the bishop who's the pastor of a congregation in our church. I received the call to serve during a time when I had COVID, and I, I had a pretty rough bout with COVID, and I wasn't able to attend church. So on the day that they announced my call to serve in the bishopric, I was not in the building at all. You were you there? I, I, I may be one of a handful of people, maybe more during COVID, who received a call to to serve in the bishopric, and I was not there to stand and uh, receive a sustaining vote in person. So anyway. Uh, a couple weeks later after i had been feeling better i re- i returned to church and i can recall going up to the stand for the first time to sit on the stand as a member of the bishopric and the sort of enormity of the call that had come to me started to settle in with me and i was just feeling inadequate and all of the things that you might imagine oh, that yeah. one would feel in that moment i don't recall a lot of things that happened during that meeting but i recall having A very good spiritual lesson in our second hour Sunday school. I don't remember what the lesson was about, but I remember feeling the spirit. (laughs) But then right after that meeting, there was a process where I had to be ordained as a high priest in the Melchizedek Priesthood. And then I had to be set apart to serve in this calling. Mm. So that's basically received back-to-back blessings by the laying on of hands. So right after those two took place, I'm just feeling very weary at this point. It was just so overwhelming being in the meetings and then being ordained and then set apart. And then right after that happened, as a newly set apart member of the bishopric, I had the opportunity to set apart my wife, who had been called during the same period to serve in the presidency of the Relief Society in our ward. And I don't recall a lot of what was said during that setting apart. It may not have made a lot of sense, but all all I remember is that my knees were really wobbly. And when I finished with that blessing, I had to sit down. And the bishop at the time looked at me and he said, oh yeah, spiritual exhaustion is a real thing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said, no, this is a real thing. And he went on to explain, to give examples of Daniel. And then I find out that this happened to Lehi and it happened to Joseph Smith. I'm not comparing my experience to any of them. I didn't have anything near that spiritual happen, but uh, spiritual exhaustion is a real thing. Oh, for sure. I think of
1: my wife, Few years back, she trained and she ran a marathon. And I remember when she crossed that finish line, like her legs were just like you said—they were like jello. Yeah, she like couldn't stand. She needed assistance just to get to the podium to take her picture or whatever. She she really pushed herself. And when I think of the word exhaustion, yeah, you can definitely have those experiences with the spirit as well. So diving back into the story, so after Lehi has this vision. He goes out to preach and he goes out to do exactly what God asked him to do, to call people to repentance. And these people tried to kill him. Like, look. Yeah. And this made me think just how wicked were these people? <laughs> Somebody's just talking about God and they have to worry about getting killed. This made me want to look into the Old Testament, as we know, right around this time that this story is taking place in the book of Jeremiah. So I turned Book of Jeremiah, chapter nine, where it actually talks about the Jews in Jerusalem and their behavior. In chapter nine we learn that they practiced adultery, they found joy in bending the tongues like bows for their lies, that they were not ashamed and neither could they blush for any of their sins. They were sinning so much that They weren't even embarrassed anymore. That was, there was just so much evil going around and there wasn't really a care in the world. And you know what, man, it made me think how similar
0: that is to our day. I had that same thought. And on the surface reading it, it seems seeking somebody's life for preaching truth seems like a disproportionate response. However, that stuff still happens today. It just happened here in Phoenix where we live. I saw that. A month ago, there was a man who was preaching on a street corner, and and, and he was shot and killed. When you talk about the level of evil doing that was taking place in Jerusalem at this time, the, the world that we live in right now is, is not far off, unfortunately. So moving on, when Joseph Smith was translating the plates, the story of Lehi must have been some comfort to Joseph Smith. It must have been instructive to him as well in some way when you look at it there are some amazing similarities in the stories of lehi and joseph smith mm-hmm. both men prayed with great faith and with great intent and received powerful visions that started with pillars of light right joseph smith described it as a pillar of light Le- lehi described it as a pillar of fire both of these visions led to prophetic callings when you talk about persecution even though lehi's persecutions in jerusalem were fairly short-lived they were pretty intense and wow. As, as we know, Joseph Smith lived a life of persecution, constant threats to his life, and many incidents of physical harm leading up to his martyrdom. Both men became stewards of Scripture that were recorded on plates. Both of those records became instrumental in guiding and providing the Word of God to different groups of people in different dispensations. Both men were forced to take treacherous and difficult journeys through wilderness and frontier land in order to mm-hmm. accomplish their commission to the Lord. No matter where their journeys took them, though, the Lord was mindful of where they were, both physically and where they were on their path back to their father. That's a pretty powerful
1: connection. And i never really thought about Lehi and Joseph Smith having such a similar story when it comes to doing what the Lord has asked and being his prophet. It definitely comes with a target on their back, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, I <know. laughs> like I said, I can only imagine some comfort that Joseph Smith took as he translated the story and learned of it for, for himself. And that brings us to one of the most famous verses in all of the Book of Mormon in 1 Nephi chapter 3, verse 7, where Nephi faithfully declares, I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded. I think we tend to marvel at the first part of that verse, just the faith and the courage that took. But the second part is what really stands out to me. Nephi's declaration that he knows that the Lord provides a way for us to accomplish all the commandments, and you think of the ramifications and the the consequences really of having a God that gives commandments and doesn't provide a way for us to accomplish those things, that God then becomes an unjust God yeah. and when you pair that with the fact that not only has not only does God provide small ways for us to accomplish our obedience of the commandments, but He also has provided us as a sacrifice, his son, to help us in those many moments in our lives where we're gonna fall short of of complete
1: obedience. One of the things that I love the most about this verse is takes me on a different route. Sometimes we find ourselves thinking, just because God asks us to do something that we automatically assume it's human nature to think this way that God's way is going to be the way. It's going to be easy. It's going to be, the road's going to be smooth. But I don't know about you, Lou, but anytime I've ever gotten an answer from God, he always wants me to do the harder thing. Sure. Like he always wants me to go through a period of growth and development, sometimes patience and pain, really feeling all of the effects of the fruits of the spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians. Everything from love, joy, faith, to long-suffering.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And when you think about that, this story tells of Mm -hmm. exactly what you're talking about. They go through several attempts to go back into the city to obtain the brass plates from Laban. It it doesn't always work out, right? The first time they... Chased
1: out by security.
0: Yeah. Laban Laban goes in and then Laban says, thou art a robber, which is funny because Laban is the actual robber in this story. (laughs) And it's that faithful continuance, trust in the Lord and do what he's asked you to do and eventually deliverance. Absolutely. And you know what, Lou,
1: as much as I love First Nephi chapter 3, verse 7, you know, Nephi's great oath. You know, I, I will go and do such a profound statement in faith in the Lord. Something else that I love just as much is later chapter 4, verse 6. We hear Nephi say, and I was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. I think that's so profound because a lot of us, we always want to know what's going on and where we're going. But Nephi had the faith to just go forward and to have trust.
0: He didn't know this, but one of the things that he was going to be asked to do is to kill an evil man. Yeah, definitely. And that's something that we don't want to gloss over part of this story is that in these chapters, there is an account of the Lord asking. Nephi to kill a man. And that brings to mind a lot of instances throughout the history and God's dealings with man where he had to engage in destruction, whether it was of a certain land or a certain person or a certain civilization in order to accomplish his purposes. And that's how important it was for this family to obtain this record. And when they return to their father and their mother in the wilderness, and there's a, a great story in there of just the joy that comes and it's really another form of deliverance right uh mm-hmm. lehi and 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 Soraya spent a lot of time in the wilderness while their sons were on this long journey back to jerusalem and they didn't know if their boys were coming back it must have been a really hard thing for them to go through but in the end they end up with this record and the words of the lord to lehi are fulfilled and one of the things it mentions in in chapter five is that they search the record They searched the scriptures. Hmm. One of the things that I thought of when I read that word search is, is how the Lord does ask us to search the scriptures. The Lord will always use the word search the scriptures or study the scriptures. He never uses the word read the scriptures. So that answer that we always come up with when, oh, here are things that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to read the scriptures. And I don't know about you, but I've spent time reading the scriptures where I've read seven or eight pages and I'm thinking about something completely different. And I I suddenly realized that I have no idea what I've been reading for 20 or 30 minutes. So that's the difference between reading the scriptures and engaging in a search of the scriptures or a study of the scriptures. And the more you search the words of Holy Scripture, the more you see the depth of knowledge that's there. There's something new to be learned each and every time that you study the scriptures. And that's why the scriptures are the word of God. I can't tell you
1: how many times I have caught myself just reading Oh, like, yeah. I, I love that you brought that up. It's, it's easy to do. There's a difference between reading and searching. But yeah, one thing that they found in their search through the scriptures was that Lehi was from the lineage of Manasseh, which means that he came from the lineage of Joseph. And that was key to fulfill the prophecy of Ezekiel, as he speaks of the stick of
0: Judah and the stick of Ephraim becoming one in thy hand. Right. Really what all of this underscores in these chapters is the importance of scripture, the importance of scripture to a family, the importance of scripture to a civilization, and the importance of scripture as the word of God, even down to personal records, family records, things that can be read over and over again to children and grandchildren that provide a glimpse into life, struggle, experiences, and instances of faith in God. And when you mention keeping records and record-keeping, the importance
1: of that I am reminded of an experience that I had when I was a young missionary. I served my mission in Montana, and for two years straight, I was encouraged by multiple people to write in your journal to make a record of the day of what had happened, good or bad. And that's exactly what I did. I was very consistent. At the end of the two years, I was surfing in an amazing town called Whitefish, Montana, which is in the northwest region of the state, bordering the line of Canada, and to get back to Billings to fly home to Phoenix, home to my family, there was an 11-hour bus ride. Oh, wow. That's a big state. Yeah, it's a huge state. Big sky country, right? Yeah. But on that bus ride, there's lots of time, so I took out my journal and I jotted a few things down, and I was very proud that I had, you know, been able to write in my journal all of the miracles that took place for me all the hard times, growth and development times, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember writing in that journal for the last time and we were pulling into a highway to lead lead us to the town Billings where we'd be flying out of to go home. And out of the excitement of getting off the bus and going home, I sadly, I left my journal on bus, on my seat. No way. I, I didn't I did not know that. Yeah man and, I, and I've never seen that journal again. And I've tried over the years to recall some of the memories and and write on paper some of the great experiences that I was able to enjoy as my time as a missionary. But when I think about that experience that I had, I wish today that I had my journal so I could share it with my children so that I would be able to Read from it and have them know the great miracles that the Lord blessed me with in those two years and the people that I met. And that's something that I
0: strongly desire that I, that I would be able to have for my children. Wow, well, Jordan, I, I didn't know that story. But one thing that we've learned this week is that it's probably not too late for you to ask God and record some of those things that happened. Maybe you can recall some of the, the things that happened and that can still be a blessing to your children and grandchildren. That's a wrap for this week's show. We thank you for joining us. We'll pick up the story next week. Nephi and his brothers return to Jerusalem once again. An update on the tear jar. Uh, we did add 10 more dollars to the tear jar this week, which brings our running total to $25 Yeah. Uh, on our way to a large amount of money that will be donated to Church Humanitarian Aid. For Jordan, I'm Lou. Uh, until next week, mau, stand firm. We'll talk to you in a week. Thanks, guys. Standing Firm, a Come Follow Me podcast, is a production of Sierra House Publishing, LLC. The show, or any opinions expressed therein, are not affiliated with The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For a transcript of today's show, please visit our website at standingfirmpodcast.com.